You're listening to The Brook in Madison, Alabama. In 1963, um, that was just a couple years before I was born, um, maybe a few more than a couple, one of the greatest singers of all time released his first Christmas album, the one and only Johnny Cash, and the title of the album was The Christmas Spirit, and I will just say here and now, if any of you happen to have that on vinyl, I would pay good money for it. Because I can't find it anywhere. Um, The Christmas spirit. uh, That phrase has been used for a really, really long time. Um, In 2013, the Hallmark Channel, the bastion of um, entertainment that it is, put out a Christmas movie of this same title, The Christmas Spirit. And so you don't think for a moment that I've watched it. Um, I'm going to do my best to give you a brief description of the movie. So apparently this guy wants to buy up half of the town. And this journalist is determined that he's up to something. Yeah, there it is. And so she's trying to figure out what he's up to. Well, she's in a car wreck and goes into a coma. Well, the person that hit her in the car wreck was the guy trying to buy half the town. And he goes into a coma. And both of their spirits, apparently, start trying to persuade the town over what they should do. I don't know. I'm just giving you a synopsis of what I was understanding. I was very confused. But I'm sure in the end, it's a love story, right? It's the Hallmark Channel. Some of you go home and watch it, and you can give me the real version. That's the Christmas spirit. Well, then we also have the spirit of Christmas. That's just another way of saying it, right? Well, not to be outdone by the Hallmark Channel, the Lifetime Channel, um, just a couple of years ago, put out a a movie by this name. And and again, haven't seen it, but I'm going to do my best to help you out understanding it. Um, There's a workaholic lawyer, and she's given the task of selling this haunted inn before New Year's Day. Well, apparently the person haunting it, um, maybe he's not really a ghost. Maybe he's actually just a guy. And maybe she actually starts to fall in love with him or something like that. I don't know. Again, I was very confused reading the synopsis. Um, Just blows my mind. This was 2015, in case you're wondering. So I'm sure it's out there for you to go and watch if you want to. Uh, I, I found a ton of quotes about the spirit of Christmas. Thought I'd share a few of them with you. There's some really, really good ones. Norman Vincent Peale said this, Christmas waves a magic wand over this world, and behold, everything is softer and more beautiful. I don't know. The great American philosopher Andy Rooney um, said this, One of the most glorious messes in the world is the mess created in the living room on Christmas Day. Don't clean it up too quickly. Thanks, Andy. But we throw the trash in right as we unwrap. Sorry. Here's one from Margaret Thatcher. I take this one a little bit more seriously than Andy Rooney. Christmas is a day of meaning and traditions, a special day spent in the warm circle of family and friends. And now I have two to wrap this up from two ladies that I don't have a clue who they are. 
but I thought, hey, I'll share them with you. First, Edna Ferber. I don't know if Edna's like somebody's neighbor or who she is, but she said, Christmas isn't a season, it's a feeling. Mm. And then last but definitely not least, we have from Gladys Tabor. Gladys says, Christmas is a bridge. We need bridges as the river of time flows past. Today's Christmas should mean creating happy hours for tomorrow and reliving those of yesterday. There's not a single living, breathing soul in this room that even has a clue what that even means. I, 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 I'm, I read this like 14 times and I thought, does that even make sense? I'm not sure, but she said it nonetheless. What we generally mean by the Christmas spirit, the spirit of Christmas, um, we're talking about this nostalgia um, that embraces the warm and fuzzy feeling that we get when we hear Christmas songs, see Christmas movies, Christmas trees, um, excited little kids about presents under the tree, great smells coming from the kitchen, fire in the fireplace, snow, maybe like once in our lifetime, you know, things like that. And of course, those have to be mixed with at least a moderate level of embracing and participating in the materialistic commercialization of the birth of the Son of God. That's the Christmas spirit, at least the American one. But here's the thing. If you really want to know and understand the Christmas spirit, you need to look no further than the Gospel of Luke. So let's go there together. If you will turn with me to Luke chapter 1. If you're using the Bible app, you can go to um, the events and you will find the brook and be able to follow along with us there. Let's look in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Right there, um, it is pretty extensive, all of the Old Testament prophecies that, that essentially in one breath, Gabriel claims are going to be fulfilled in Christ. And I want to just zip through and, and look at some of them. Um, He tells Mary, he says that your son Jesus, as the Messiah, um, that he would be of the house, the lineage, uh, the descendant, the throne of David. This is prophesied in 2 Samuel 7 and also in Psalm 110. He would be of the throne of David, 
of the house of David because Joseph that Mary was engaged to was from the line of David. Um, Gabriel says he will be a Nazarene. He will be from Nazareth. Well, this fulfills the prophecy from Isaiah 11 and Isaiah 53. He would be the son of the most high God. This is proclaimed in Psalm chapter 2 and elsewhere in the Old Testament. He keeps going. He will reign over the house of Jacob. His kingdom will be a spiritual, eternal, everlasting kingdom. Isaiah 35. And then last but definitely not least, he would be born of a virgin. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. All of these prophecies are incredible and they're all significant. And the most incredible and significant thing about all of them is that they all came true. They were all fulfilled. But let's, let's just reckon with something here. If you're Mary, if you're a 13, 14, 15, maybe 17, 18-year-old young woman who is engaged, you're not yet married, so you, of course, have not consummated your marriage, you're a virgin, that last one is going to stick out to you just a bit more than the others. Like, you know, hey, time out. Uh, I heard you on all those other ones, but can we go back? I could have sworn you said uh, what you did. And and so understanding that, um, Mary's response to all of this is fairly understandable. Look at her response, verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month of her pregnancy, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God, Mary. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I want you to take note in verse 34 of what exactly Mary's response is. Because if this was you or this was me, um, without question, understandably, our response would be, how can this be? How is this possible? But that's not what Mary asked. Mary asked, how will this be? And there's a difference. This is not Mary saying, I don't believe this for an instant. This is not um, a display, if you will, um, or a reflection of unbelief. This is Mary saying, I believe what you're telling me. But man, I cannot wrap my head around how. Mary understood, or she believed the what. But she couldn't fathom or understand the how. And, and this brings you and I to a question. If you are a follower of Christ, if you have been filled by the spirit of God, if you are a child of the most high God, um, can you and I, will you and I believe the what, even when we can't understand the why or the how? Because if you are a follower of Christ, if you have been filled by the Spirit, there are going to be times that God asks you and me to do things, to take steps of faith, to step out where we can't see how this is going to work, and that we trust and believe. 
that we believe the what, even when we can't understand the how or the why. It's going to come. Sometimes we doubt because of who we've been or where we've been. How in the world could God use me? You don't know where I've been. Well, God does, and that's not too big for him. Some people look at what they may feel is completely dead or hopeless. A marriage, a relationship, a church. How in the world can God bring this back to life? Well, because that's the business that he's in. He takes what's dead and brings it back to life. The question, how will this be? How's God going to do this? What's Gabriel's response? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Friends, the idea that the Spirit of God would be involved in um, the conception of the Son of God should not surprise us because He's been involved in creation since the beginning. Turn with me for just a moment to Genesis chapter 1. You could say the, the Holy Spirit maybe got shafted a little in that he didn't make it into Genesis 1.1. Well, he made it into verse 2, okay? It, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit has always been involved in creation. And so the idea that when God chose to send his son, the spirit wouldn't be involved with that. How about that's the most significant creation ever seen? Of course, the spirit is going to be involved. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. The angel is telling Mary that the sovereign, omnipotent God of the universe, that he is going to come, the creator of heaven and earth, through his spirit, that he's going to come and overcome you, surround you, encompass you, and create life in you. That's what he tells Mary. And so this is what the angel declares about the Spirit of God and His involvement in the birth of the Son of God. Well, as Christ followers, we need to take a look now for a few minutes at what the Son of God says about the involvement of the Spirit of God in our lives. Okay? Turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Beginning in verse 8, remember, this is the night before, this is the night Jesus is going to be arrested. Um, It's going to happen just hours from this conversation. The night after this, Jesus knows he's going to be beaten, crucified. And this conversation in prayer takes place among Jesus and the disciples. In John 14, 8, Philip says... Lord, show us the Father, and and that will be enough for us. 
And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. Jesus right there says, Philip, you've been with me for three years. If for no other reason, believe because of what you've seen me do with your own eyes. Jesus goes on, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus says, you will do greater works than these because. Look here. John 14, verse 12. You will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Are you wrapping your head around what Jesus is saying here? How can this be? How is it honestly going to be possible that Jesus leaving is somehow going to be better for us? That doesn't make sense, at least in our our brains, our minds. Verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And, and keep thinking through this, okay? So you and I on our own, or Philip, or Andrew, or Peter, are they going to be able to do that on their own? Nope. These guys have been trying for three years, walking with Jesus. Hasn't worked out very well. You and I, many of us, we've tried this at some point in our life. Try to follow Christ on my own power. Doesn't seem to work very well. Verse 16. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know him because you know me. But now you're no longer going to see me in order that the Father might send the Spirit. And here's why this is so vital for you in following after me. It is in him and through him that you will do even greater works than these. It's in him and through him that he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have taught you. I'm 46. I know for some of you in this room, you're like, dang, you're old. And there are others in this room, you're like, you're just a baby. So I'm kind of right in the middle. I'm in happy land, right? Um, But I'm going to give you too much information this morning, okay? Um, Once I hit 40, there were three things that happened that I have no explanation for other than age, okay? Number one, I got to go to the bathroom all the time. Again, I warned you I was going to give you too much information, but tough. 
You just need to know about my life. I, I got to go to the bathroom all the time. Um, number two, um, I cannot tolerate the cold. Uh, once it hits 60, it might as well be 30. Uh, I don't know what that's about, but I hate being cold. And then number three, I cannot remember why I went into the kitchen or to the store. I mean, it's a blank, black hole. No, no clue. And I know for a fact that many of you in this room, uh, in fact, I had somebody come up to me after the first service and say, I'm 29 and I got these problems. What's going to happen to me at, at 40? I'm like, I don't know, buddy. You need some counseling. Um, you're all like me, probably. And so if I can't remember why I went to the store, do you not think I need some help um, having brought to my mind what the Lord has said? And Jesus so knowingly says to the disciples, I'm sending the Holy Spirit so that he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said. Because on your own, on your own power, it's not going to work. We need the Spirit. In him and through him only, he will teach you all things. He will bring to your remembrance all things. And Jesus throws in this big caveat here, this but. But, Jesus says, if I don't go, he won't come. Turn over a couple pages into chapter 16. In John 16, beginning in verse 4, Jesus says, I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. The disciples are dealing with serious grief. Like Jesus stopped talking about all this. I'm going away. I'm going to leave you. That's hitting them heavy. How much harder is it going to hit them 24 hours from this point when they see happen all that Jesus had said over and over and over? He's going to be crucified. He said, I've told you these things before, but you're going to see them all come to fruition. Verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And I would just like underline this in your Bible. Jesus says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The Son of God says, to the disciples and to you and I, it is to your advantage that I go away. How is that possible, Jesus? It's possible because you desperately need my spirit. I think that many of us, whether it's from background or things that we've seen and heard and read over our lives or whatever, some of us are still even just a little bit like uncomfortable and queasy with the idea of being spirit-filled. But friends, we better get way, way, way more passionate and comfortable about it. Because Jesus says, if you are my followers, my spirit is going to come, is going to come upon you, is going to fill you, is going to use you, convict you, comfort you, restore you, breathe life into you. 
you don't have my spirit, you're dead. How can God use me, guide me? Jesus says the spirit will guide you into all truth. How can I, I can't get my words straight, I can't think straight. How can I possibly effectively share the gospel? Jesus says that the spirit will bring to your remembrance all the things that I've said. In fact, Jesus told the disciples when he sent them out, don't even worry about what you're going to say. The Spirit will give you the words. See, some of us, we get so hung up. I don't know how that's going to work that we don't step out in faith to do what Christ has called us to do. Step out, share the gospel, make disciples. I don't know how that's going to work with me, Jesus. It's going to work if you step out in faith and you do it because I will fill you, I will use you. Will we believe the what, even when we can't understand the how, or maybe even the why? Friends, the same spirit that came upon Mary, the same spirit that conceived the Son of God, the same spirit that was there at the creation of the world, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, if you believe in him, will come upon you. And as Jesus said to his disciples... He is among you and he will be within you. He will guide you. He will restore you. He will fill you and use you, convict you, comfort you. He will take what is enslaved and he will set it free. He will take what is dead and he will bring it to life. Look with me for a moment in 2 Corinthians Chapter 3. Not only is what Paul says here um, very powerfully and beautifully parallel to what Christ is saying, it's also very, very relevant in that we've spent an entire year walking through Exodus and looking at what God did through this man named Moses. In first, oh, excuse me, Second Corinthians. Chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, Paul says, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Remember, Moses had to put a veil over his face when he would come out from the tent because if the Israelites looked at his face uh, immediately, they'd go blind. It says their minds were hardened. For to this day, uh, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Even to this day. Yes, Jew, but even Gentile, if you can't see and understand that all of the Old Testament, that all of the Old Covenant was purposed and fulfilled in the person of Christ, that veil still remains to this day. Verse 15, yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But now check it out. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Jew, 
Gentile makes no difference. When one turns to the Lord, when one believes that all of that was fulfilled in the person, in the death, in the resurrection, in the life of Jesus Christ, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where there once was slavery, there is now freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Friends, Christ has sent his Spirit to come upon you. If we are not brought to a place of brokenness um, over our sin, our slavery, we will never be distressed enough to really plead with God to bring us to that place of freedom in his spirit. It's not an easy, it's not even a logical thing to ask God, bring me to a place of brokenness, but I will tell you there's nothing wiser you could ask God to do. If we're not disturbed by how little power and strength that we have on our own, we will never be desperate enough to plead with God to fill us and fill us and fill us with His Spirit, that His power might be worked out through us. The question needs to be asked, what does this look like in just practical, everyday terms? Because... If I walk out of here convinced um, and compelled, I I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to live a Spirit-filled life. Well, what does that even look like? What does that even mean? It means being consumed. It means being absolutely overtaken by this unshakable joy and peace and hope that only comes from knowing Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and having the faith to believe that he has reconciled us back to the Father through his death and resurrection. That comes from nothing that this earth will offer you. There is nothing that you can possess. There is nothing that you can chase after. There is no status. There's no possession that you can have that will provide you with hope and joy and peace. It is only through the saving knowledge of what Christ has done for us. Period. To be filled by the Spirit, to see the Spirit of Christ fill us, to walk in the Spirit means that we have to walk in the Word so that the Spirit can do just what Jesus said that He would, that He would guide us in all truth, that He would bring to our remembrance all that Jesus has said. Friends, if you and I are not spending time in the truth, if we're not spending time meditating on and reflecting on what Christ has said, what is there to bring to mind and to memory? You got to meditate on it. You got to spend time in it. You got to commune with God here. Again, if you and I can't remember why we went into the kitchen or to the store, this is serious business. Me forgetting that, oh yeah, I needed peanut butter also, way less important than me knowing, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do in this situation, in this moment? 
The spirit of Christmas, plain and simple, is that the spirit of Christ, the spirit of the living God, has come to overtake us, live within us, guide us, consume us. What an incredible gift. I want to remind you this morning, maybe more importantly, if if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ. The Apostle Paul says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you surrender to Christ, if you follow after him, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Let's pray for that this morning. Let me ask you to bow your head and pray with me. Lord, this morning we thank you for the great privilege of being your people. Lord, this morning we pray that we, the church, the the people of God, sons and daughters of the Most High God, um, Lord, that we would truly take the Spirit of Christ into the world. Lord, that we would walk in your spirit, that we would listen to your spirit. Lord, that we might be a light in the darkness. Lord, that we might live out the freedom that we have because you have broken the bonds of sin and slavery. And Lord, that we would spill over and share the hope that we have found in you, Lord Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to send my spirit. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. He's going to come and He's going to comfort you. He's going to guide you into all truth. Sanctify us in the Word. This morning, let's come before Him with hearts like David. Be willing to say, Lord, we ask you this morning to search our hearts to test our thoughts. Lord, you you know every thought. You know the beat of our heart. Father, you know the unconfessed sin in our lives. Lord, would you show us that unconfessed sin. Lord, would you show us where things are broken and you desire to heal them? Will you show us where things, quite frankly, may just be dead? But you desire to breathe new life into them. 
Lord, as King David proclaimed, we ask you this morning to lead us in the way everlasting. Lord, we have such hope in your promise that if we confess our sin, you will forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Lord, that if we abide in you, that our lives will bear much fruit. That your joy would be in us. And because of that, our joy would be full. Lord, we ask you this morning to purify our hearts. Lord, we proclaim that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. As we declare who you are and what you've done, Lord, we pray that you'd be lifted up and glorified. Let's stand together. Thanks for listening to The Brook. If you'd like more information about our church or what it means to follow Christ, you can visit our website at thebrookchurch.com.